Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This morning, our Gospel lesson teaches us of the character of God so that we might take comfort in his goodness and love. It comes from a time when our Lord Jesus was dining with some Pharisees on the Sabbath. This was not unusual. Our Lord would eat with any and all who would have him so that he might teach them and proclaim through word and deed that the kingdom of God was at hand. Just as he ate with sinners and tax collectors, so also he ate with the rulers of the Pharisees. He did this even knowing that they may have only invited him in order to find something that they could trap him with. As it says, they watched him closely. This was not the only time that this happened. Once when the Lord was eating with the Pharisees, they saw that his disciples did not perform the ritual hand-washing, and they said, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. This ritual, they claimed, came from God to Moses, yet it was not an actual divine command, but a tradition of man. You can look throughout all of the Pentateuch and not find a single command about the washing of hands before eating bread. At another time, when the Lord was dining at the house of Simon, a Pharisee, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus was at the table at the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping, she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. This was shocking to the Pharisees that the Lord would let such a known sinner do this to him. But what happened? Our Lord forgave her her sins and sent her on her way in peace. So it was at this time when our Lord was eating with the Pharisees on the Sabbath that they watched him closely. They looked to see if he would break any of the commandments so that they might use it to trap him and denounce him. While they were eating, behold, there was a certain man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus, answering, spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? This man came to the meal, to this house, because he had heard that Jesus was there. And why did he come? That he might be healed. He had heard of Jesus, that he healed the sick, cast out demons, and even raised the dead. He had heard this and believed it. Moreover, he heard it and believed that Jesus could do the same for him. So he went there, knowing who Jesus was, trusting in him that he would heal him of his dropsy. In this, he demonstrates for us great faith and teaching us that faith in Christ is not simply believing that he exists, but trusting in him, trusting in him for that which he promises, the forgiveness of sins. 
And so our Lord, seeing this man and his obvious condition, puts a question to the lawyers and the Pharisees. He has come to this meal that he might teach them, that he might expose their sin and hypocrisy and call them to repentance and true faith. So he uses this as an opportunity to do so. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? The Pharisees and many of the lawyers had a false view of God and of salvation. They had a very legalistic view of God. They saw him as a strict legislator who had given his commands to Israel so that they may be followed, so that standing out from among the nations they might excel in righteousness. This righteousness which they sought was a works-based righteousness, a righteousness based on their own works, their own keeping of the law, their own teaching of the law. They thought themselves to be experts at keeping this law down to the letter. And because they believed God to be a legalistic God and one who seeks to and accepts works righteousness, they also believed in very detailed and intricate laws. They saw the laws that God had revealed to them and they extrapolated out from them to find many more laws, many more ways of keeping them, many more ways of breaking them. For example, in Exodus, the Lord God said, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's mouth. The lawyers and the Pharisees said, this means you shall not have a meal with both dairy and meat. This, of course, was not the intent or the meaning and force of the law, but this is how they saw it due to their legalistic and works righteous view of God. If God did not want us to boil a kid in its mother's milk, then surely he would be just as pleased if I don't have cheese with this beef. So they also viewed God's view of the Sabbath. The Lord God said, On the Sabbath you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. This was interpreted by the Pharisees as prohibiting 39 different types of work, which were then extrapolated further from that, which today results in religious Jews, who are the descendants of the Pharisees in their teaching, forbidding the tearing of per perforated toilet paper on the Sabbath, turning off or on lights on the Sabbath, writing or calculating on the Sabbath, and many, many other things. And just as the prohibition of boiling a young goat in its mother's milk is not only about not eating cheeseburgers, so too the Sabbath is not only about finding what kinds of work are and aren't allowed. This is the heart of Jesus' question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Of course, our Lord knows the answer to this question, but he is asking the Pharisees and lawyers so that they might truly understand. But when he asks them this, they kept silent. They refused to answer for fear of proving Jesus right or for fear of seeming to agree with him. So hard their hearts were in this moment. And so our Lord goes into action, demonstrating to them the true character of God. He took 
the man and healed him and let him go. Then he answered them, saying, Which of you, having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit, will not immediately pull him out on a Sabbath day? And they could not answer him regarding these things. In this, our Lord shows his great compassion, love, and faithfulness. <clears throat> the man had come to Jesus, trusting in him, and our Lord does as he promised and heals the man, sending him away in peace. After healing the man, our Lord once again asks the Pharisees a question that they don't answer. Which of you, having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit, will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day. Which of you would not, he says. If your donkey fell into a pit, would you leave it, just because it fell in on the Sabbath? If your ox fell in, would you let it languish for a day? Would you not immediately go out, walk further than the limit, tie a rope, dig, push, pull, and even clean the animal's wounds? Would you not break all these things that are said to be prohibited in order to save the animal? If so, why is it different than healing or saving a person? The Lord God loves his creation. He would not fault a man for saving his animal that fell into a pit, even if he did so on the Sabbath. How much more will he not fault the one who heals or saves one of his most precious children on the Sabbath? The Pharisees had God all wrong. He is not an arbitrary legislator, decreeing laws just so that the people of Israel might prove their righteousness to him. No, God is love, as St. John writes. And as God is love, love is the fulfillment of the law, as St. Paul teaches us. God is love, and the law is a reflection of that. It is a reflection of who he is. Properly understood, the law is meant to order our love. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, says our Lord. <clears throat> the Sabbath was a gift of God to his people Israel that they might rest from their labors, that they might be refreshed and rejuvenated that they might take time to teach their children of their God, that they might hear the Levites and the priests teaching and explaining the law and the covenant which God had made with his people, that they might make known his promises, including the promise of the coming Messiah. The Pharisees had turned the Sabbath into something that needed to be served, into a complex list of regulations, into a work, and so they acted as if they were created to serve the Sabbath, rather than the Sabbath being instituted for their sake. Even in the Old Testament, we see the truth of this. When David was on the run from Saul, who unjustly sought his life, on the Sabbath day he came to Nob, where the tabernacle was. He asked Abimelech the priest for bread, so that he and his men could eat. <coughs> The only bread available was the show bread, which had been removed from the holy place on that day to be replaced with fresh loaves. This was, according to the law, only for the priests to eat. Yet Abimelech gave some of the bread to David and his men 
because it was the only bread that they had. In this, neither Abimelech nor David sinned, for there was that was the only bread available. And in sharing it with him, he loved his neighbor as himself, and he did not harm him, but he helped him in his bodily need. Yes, God is love, and his law is a reflection of that love, of his will, of him. That is why he takes breaking his law, sin, so seriously. That is why sinners cannot stand in his presence. Not because God is a cruel tyrant waiting to trap you in a net like the Pharisees carefully watched Jesus, but because sin, breaking the law of God, is a rejection of him and his love. It is choosing one's own way over the way which God has told us is his. And it is not just his way because he decided that, but it is that way because it comes from him and is in accord with his nature. Thus our sin is a rejection of him, saying, I know better than you, God. Just as Adam and Eve thought that they knew better than God when they ate of the fruit of the tree of which they were told, you shall not eat. So we, in our sinning, tell God that we know better than he and that we desire our own ways and to be our own. It is pushing him away and replacing him with something of our own making. That is why righteousness can never be according to our works. God's standard is perfection, not because he arbitrarily decided it to be so, but because he is perfect. The righteousness he desires is thus a perfect righteousness. It could not be anything less. Yet from our birth, no, from our conception, we have been tainted with sin with sinful desires, so that we do not fear, love, and trust in God. Thus, no amounts of works could ever be enough because of the fall of our first parents and into sin, so that we, too, are sinful by our nature. And we continue to fall into sin because of the weakness of our flesh. We cannot do enough to be perfect, for the requirement is not a progressive, eventual perfection, but a complete and total perfection. That is why our God, who is love, has done what he has for us and for our salvation. That is why our Lord ate with sinners and tax collectors, that he might call them to repentance and faith in him. That is why he ate with the Pharisees, that he might expose their hypocrisy, so that they might repent of trusting in themselves and trust in him alone. That is why he healed the man with dropsy, for he is compassionate and saw his need. He loved him and sought to make him whole, to heal him in accordance with his faith. That is why he came in the flesh in the first place, why he became man, so that as a man he might live perfectly because we have not, so that he might suffer and die for our sins, so that in our place he might face the wrath of God over sin so that in, in the place of our unrighteousness and sin, God might grant us the true and perfect righteousness of Christ, which is received by faith. We languished in the pit of sin and death, but he descended down to save us, bearing our sins even into death, that we might be raised up to life. He was stricken that we might be healed both of sin and all of its effects. 
He, love incarnate, has done all things for our salvation. His entire life was one in conformity with God's will as expressed in the law. His life was one of perfect love. So too was his death. He went willingly to his death out of his love for his creation, that through his death and resurrection he might bring life and immortality to light, that he might restore his creation, so that we who are sinful might be forgiven and declared righteous for his sake. Thanks be to God that he has descended to us poor and lost sinners in the person of his Son, Jesus Christ, that he has come to rescue us from the pit by descending into the pit of death itself, that he has fulfilled the law in our stead and declares us righteous in the forgiveness of sins for Jesus' sake, that having saved us, he has shown us how we ought to live, that we might live in his love and share that same love with others. May God grant that we be kept steadfast in this true faith until death, and that we love one another as he has first loved us, through the merits and mediations of Jesus Christ our Lord. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you always. Amen. Amen.